Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined by friend of the show, Russell Glass, the CEO of Ginger, a behavioral health app. We've had Russell on the show uh, twice already. One time to talk about the children's book that he wrote, Voting with a Porpoise, which we'd love to give our love to uh, children's books, uh, particularly if there's marine life and aquatic uh, themes. So, so that, was, that was a nice entree into, or maybe an appetizer, uh, better put, uh, into Russell as a guest. And then more recently, we talked about Ginger, which is a behavioral health app that, that is really resonating, was resonating even when we talked about it towards the end of last year. And now in light of the, the COVID-19 pandemic, it's, it, sadly, it's become more relevant, although there is an element of hope to that and that if apps like Ginger can provide these types of services to people in need by removing some of the friction, there, there's really an upside there. So long introduction, but he's worth it. Welcome to the show, Russell. Thanks for having me back, and, and I feel honored to be officially a friend of the podcast. Exactly. Three times is, uh, is the charm. So like I said, you know, with great power goes great responsibility. So, so, so best of luck with everything uh, moving forward from here. And also congratulations on the, the, the third trending in education bump you're about to get. So you know, your meteoric rise in some ways is attributable, I think, to these podcast appearances. So, so good job by you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't think there's any way to untangle the bump from trending in education. Well, that's great. So, so yeah, so last time I thought we had a really interesting conversation about Ginger and how access to behavioral health much more universally available through the apps that many of the rising generations and now really all of us are living and breathing with every day. It just seemed like a really sharp idea. We try to get out ahead of trends on this show. So that's why G Ginger uh, did come to our attention. What's it been like over the last uh, couple months where, you know, it seemed like you were, there was a trajectory you were on, which was positive, and then the world changed in light of the pandemic. So I'd love to get some of your perspective in terms of how Ginger has been able to be there for folks and be responsive to some of the, the changes that we've seen. And then also I'd love to hear any of the data you're gathering on the back end around how how folks are using your app in, in light of the pandemic? Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a fascinating world, right? Ginger was designed to solve a huge supply demand imbalance that existed prior to COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, far more people need care than can get access to care. There aren't enough providers out there. There's a lot of friction. There's a lot of stigma to getting access to care. Mm -hmm. And so Ginger built this, app, which is really a front door to an, an entire virtual behavioral health system. You know, mm -hmm. we provide behavioral health coaching, we provide therapy, we provide psychiatry. It's all highly measured, it's convenient, it's easy to use. And we were seeing an increase in adoption before this happened. Right. And then this happened. Right. <laughs> and the stress levels, the anxiety levels, the, the uncertainty of, of this current time, the isolation of this time has led to literally skyrocketing amounts. Mm -hmm. Our average clinical session volume is up 130% over the last, you know, uh, four to six weeks or so compared yep. to prior periods. Our mm -hmm. average daily actives is up 88% over mm -hmm. the last four 
four weeks compared to the pre-COVID period. Right. Intensity of conversations. We measure, we measure intensity of our provider conversations to help us load balance. That's up 25, 30% mm-hmm. over the last period. So more people need it. Uh, it's more acute and it's more intense. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we, we feel fortunate that we have a, a platform that can help right yeah. now. It's also really interesting to think about the, the fact that this is delivered online, allows you to capture behavioral patterns, understand when people are using these, these services. It's also interesting to me. Like I saw one of your posts, you were talking about how at night you're seeing more usage than you had seen previously. I think, A, that's an interesting insight to begin with. And then B, the meta insight's also interesting that by, by being able to synthesize and understand these, these varied data points, we can start to be responsive, maybe you know, adjust your services to kind of meet the behavior patterns as you see them come in. But uh, can you talk, talk a bit about that? Yeah, well, the, the specifics that you're, you're referring to is that we saw about a 50% increase in the number of users accessing um, our services between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is that as stress levels go up, as anxiety levels go up, as you have this weird period right now where day and night are a little bit blended, yeah. you're working longer hours because you don't have that commute time to stop. I mean, yep. just everything's sort of melding together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so people aren't sleeping as well. And the problem with sleep is that when you don't have as much sleep, you don't have the same facilities to manage worry and anxiety mm-hmm. and yeah. stress. And, and so you get more anxious and then that leads to less sleep. And this mm-hmm. negative flywheel cycle starts. Um, yeah. You can sort of spiral downhill. And, and so we are doing a number of things. One is helping people to understand how to break that cycle. So. Mm-hmm making sure that people understand the importance of mindfulness, of exercise, making yep. sure you stand up and you walk around, you get outside, you get fresh air, reducing screen time access late at night or before you go to, like at least an hour before you go to sleep, which will right. help get into better sleep cycles. Um, getting off of news cycles as much right. as possible. Uh, right. Limiting right. consumption, which, which has created a whole bunch of uncertainty. So these different tactics and techniques that you can use to get better sleep. And in fact, one of the things your, your listeners may be interested in is we've published a lot of what used to be behind the firewall content mm-hmm. uh, to right. roots. Just for anybody in the general public that, you know, has some of these concerns driven by the pandemic, it's just good exercises, content, et cetera, to help with that. Yeah, and that was that was great to see that, and that also does remind me of the broader awakening that we talked about on our previous conversation about the broader awakening around behavioral health as part of the wellness self-improvement movement, as opposed to this boundary case, stigmatized, that's, that's somebody else's problem. It does feel like even towards the end of last year, when we last caught up, we were saying there was a movement beginning, and Ginger was seeing it, where you know, behavioral health was becoming part of the, the self-improvement movement. Some of the stigma was going away. Now, if anything, 
you're more a boundary case if you don't have any behavioral health challenges in your life. And even just normalizing it beyond even the destigmatizing it, the reality is that we're all under undue stress. And I think that's just changing a sensibility. So that's why I was really happy to see that you're responding quickly because you're typically a B2B offering to release some of that to the general population in a, in a timely way. Can you talk about what drove that thinking and any thoughts you might have about the, you know, broadening the access window uh, to extend even beyond organizations? Sure. We've always, we've always planned on ultimately supporting more than just employees of companies. But as, as you mentioned, right now, we're primarily used as a benefit to employers Mm -hmm. for their employees. And this time we sat down and said, okay, there's a huge need right now. What can we be doing in a period of time where we don't yet allow for consumer access to help as many people as possible? And so we, we put three initiatives together. The first is we're providing access for free to frontline workers. So mm-hmm. right. um, now that is through their employer, but a hospital system or, or others that are providing frontline support, we wanna make sure they have as much access to behavioral health need, you know, care as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you can imagine the, the stressors on the frontline workers right now. Yes. Second is this uh, uh, ginger.io slash roots page, which we basically said, okay, we have a whole bunch of really valuable content and exercises that are relevant to this moment in time, mm-hmm. whether it's how do you parent at a stay-at-home environment when you're working and, and balancing your, your you know, kids' needs. Isolation, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with less sleep? How do you deal with you know, all of these things, mortality and yep. Yep. grief? Mm-hmm. So we've published that content to allow anybody to access it. And then finally, we decided that we're going to waive annual contracts because we recognize that employers just can't plan right now. And yet, any continuity plan has to be thoughtful about behavioral health. And so how do we make it easy for employers to get access? And so we, that has been our response. And so far, it's been wildly you know, successful from the standpoint that we have a lot of people coming to get the content mm-hmm. with a lot of interest, both from healthcare employers, as well as mm-hmm. businesses, you know, to try to get Ginger up and running as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's a tremendous service. Uh, in particular, that first point, uh, just to think about the, the mental health behavioral challenges that our frontline workers are facing. One of the more inspirational aspects of this pandemic has been the seven o'clock rounds of applause that are, are percolating out around our, our, our different locations. That's sort of a spiritual level of support, but this is a, a real set of products and services that can help our healthcare workers and our other essential workers in their time of need. So thank you for that. And, and I think that's also on trend around the, the global response to this pandemic, which, which I also think is really interesting in that smart brands, you know, good cultures, which is the other thing I did want to make sure we spent a little bit of time talking about, like the impact of this pandemic on your work culture at Ginger and how you thought about sort of managing through that. To me, it all speaks to a similar point where like, just like our healthcare workers need good behavioral health services 
healthy organizations do too. And to even, even as, as someone who's a leader of an organization, you need to be in a good head so that you're able to lead your organization effectively. And then at the same time, I think there's probably some value in being transparent about your own vulnerability through this. So, so I'd love to hear you maybe pivot into what it was like leading like a, a rising entrepreneurial venture like Ginger that then got buffeted like we all did by this uh, pandemic using yourself and your leadership group and your culture as an example. Any lessons learned? You know, we're six weeks in, obviously we're all continuing to learn as we go, but, uh, but any, anything emerging in terms of insights or perspective from you? Good questions. I, I think the first piece of this often starts before things like pandemics happen. Right. And, you know, in, in my experience, both failures and successes, you could, I can really sum the most important components to a successful company through thick or thin in, into sort of three core areas. One is great people, right? Mm-hmm. So hiring world-class people that have certain characteristics that create a consistent then culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having a value-based culture, having a culture that really lives its values, right? Things like transparency and, and we, we say seek truth, speak truth, and, mm-hmm. and things like, you know, not just empathy, but compassion, mm-hmm. right? So really looking for consistency in the kind of people we hire, a belief in the values and mission, then the final thing is, is focus, right? Getting everybody focused on, on the, same, the same set of activities that are going to lead to success. Mm-hmm. If you have all that in place, you often have successful companies. And in the good times, mm-hmm. um, you see value there, but it's mm-hmm. not until times like now right really understand how powerful that consistency in people culture and mm. uh, focus is and so ginger we have spent a ton of effort making sure that we, we have that kind of culture in place we really talk about our values we, we consistently refer back to our values we mm-hmm. talk about our mission and i think because of that and because we had a pretty remote culture to begin with, you know, yep. 60% of the culture is already remote. We really haven't missed a beat in this mm-hmm. period. We reacted very quickly to stop travel. We reacted quickly to shut the office down. I think probably a week before California acted. Okay. Um, and then California was early too. Yes. Yeah. We had already said, you know, our people are too important and the risk of something going wrong here mm-hmm. is so high compared to the upside of continuing to travel and continuing to have people in the office. Right. It just felt like a no-brainer. Right, right. And then we've been very, very quick to move into a much more communicative mode. Mm-hmm. So we've probably doubled the amount, if not tripled the amount of company-wide communication we're doing, mm-hmm. which I feel is important in a time like this. There's so much more uncertainty. There's so much concern out there about the way life is changing. Yep. Uh, By increasing that cadence, that sort of MO, we've been able to, I think, navigate this pretty well so far. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me of, you know, I'm in Brooklyn. So the one element of stability for me is uh, what, I, what I refer to as President Cuomo's briefings at around lunchtime, where he's there every day, there's consistency to it. And he's reinforcing the message. He's also, you know, admitting what he doesn't know and almost including the rest of us transparently into the reality that we don't understand these things yet. Anyone who tells you they, they know this is actually misspeaking. And there's a level of fireside chat opportunities and just bringing the, your culture in that I'm, I'm hearing from you and I'm also picking up from, from Governor Cuomo. And it's actually been, it's the closest thing I've experienced in my life to what I read about in history class is like the fireside chats. You know, there is the level to which you kind of need that consistency and you need people to show up and be authentic, whether it's good news or bad. And then the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking there too, is in some ways the people and the values help make the focus clearer. So in some ways it, it does seem like the resilience of your org structure and your mission and your values made it really easy, relatively easy to come up with those three responses you were talking about before that then your culture can rally behind and it's still aligned to sort of the strategic direction you're taking. I think that's exactly right. And, and I've seen it before, you know, my last company obviously didn't go through a pandemic, but right. we went through the crash of 08, 09. Right. When we just had gotten started, had our first quarter of revenue, went from 350,000 to 30,000. Yikes. In one quarter. Right. And it was, the, the lessons I had learned in my failed startup prior right. uh, was this this core culture and these values and the people all kind of coming together and saying, okay, we can get through this. Here's how we're going to do it. Uh, that allowed us to navigate that period, one other difficult period in the life of the company, and mm -hmm. ultimately have a wildly successful outcome when we sold the company to LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, it all gets back to values and culture and focus. Um, yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. And, and also I think maybe in, in the case of Ginger now is like there was timeliness and strategic direction that made sense here in terms of a behavioral health app in this day and age. And in some ways the COVID pandemic has been an accelerant. So it's almost like your, what was two or three years down the road and your strategic plan is now potentially months or weeks away, you know? Uh, I think that's right. I mean, I think we've seen two years of adoption curve in the last six weeks. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think that the vision here has been, this is where the world should go. Right. And probably will go. Right, right. Because of the convenience, because of the destigmatization that takes place when you don't have to show up in an office. Right and risk someone seeing your car parked in front of your therapist's office, right? Right, right. All, all, all of that goes into what we've built at Ginger, but this mm -hmm. period now, of course, has created an environment where you don't have a choice. Right. And, and so we, we've certainly seen that acceleration. And I think if, if anything's going to change coming out of this, telehealth yes. is not, we're not going back. Yeah, why would it to me? It's the three legs of this this new stool are telehealth, working from home, and remote learning. Like those three, 
sure, there'll be places where we'll go back to, it'll make a tremendous amount of sense to go back to some in-person healthcare, obviously. You're not going to have tele-surgery yet. You right. know, sim- similarly, the workforce and similarly, just the, the childcare function of K-12 education is not something you remove immediately. But I think to, to assume that those things could operate with less integration of the digital side of the equation, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I don't think there's any going back. I, I think you're right. And I sit on the advisory board of Duke University's mm. Innovation and Education work, work Group, I guess. Yep, yep. And, you know... I've been on there for probably a year and a half, two years, and and we were this group at Duke thinking about what the future of education is looking like, and every now and again, you know, someone would tell us how important the work was, but it was kind of like a little back, you know, university, and all of a sudden, this group is now the group that the president of the university, Mm -hmm. Vince Price, is basically looking to, to figure out how we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, we're, we're all saying this is the future of education and it's here now. It's not 10 years from now. Right, right. Yeah. And what's, what's fascinating for me about what you're doing at Ginger too is that you solve some of the platform and technology problems as far as I can tell so that it, then it becomes more of a human implementation execution problem, you know, obviously with ongoing engineering, but like how do you evolve? How do you be responsive? How do you learn from all the behavioral data you were providing earlier, you know, every organization needs to be as responsive as, as you're being in understanding, okay, these behavioral patterns have changed. How does that impact my product roadmap? How does that impact my hours of operation? All the things that the futurists were saying is, you know, you need to be flexible, you know, don't, don't be overcommitted to like something that may need to change, you know, the, the importance of being adaptable. It's, it does seem like, you have the, it's, it's sort of the way I feel even just doing, doing our podcast about trends in education. It's like, the, when you catch a tailwind, you need to try to take advantage of it in, in a good way, you know, especially if you believe your mission is ultimately elevating everyone. And it, that's generally been my read on where Ginger is sitting right now. There's a real opportunity to kind of take this adverse situation and then use it as an opportunity to be really a transformational accelerant around some of the things you were you were really striving for i think that's right you always have that that thought in the back of your head that is you have to make sure that you're not taking advantage right situation at the cost of your members Mm -hmm. right so members first is a critical value sure being things that 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 are members first but if you get over that hump, if you get over the, yes, this is absolutely members first, mm-hmm. then being aggressive right now to capture a market, to make sure people are aware yeah. of this, to make sure that they're out there doing things for their own mental health that are going to lead to, you know, happier, more successful people getting through this period. Yeah. And I think that's a hundred percent right. And you know, the, I, I hate, to, to, to like put a pall on all of this, but I truly believe we are in the first innings of this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the mental health aspects of this are only going to get more difficult yep. as we start to try to get back into the, 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 mm-hmm. the normality we saw before. And we yep. realize that it's gone. Right. 
And it is going to be a long time before the world is back to where it was prior. And right. you have to, you have to manage that. You have to set expectations for yourself. You have to set expectations for what the world's going to look like and have tools to make mm-hmm. sure that you, from a mental health standpoint, can manage through this. Yeah. Um, but it, there's going to be a long tail of mental health issues through this and beyond this period. Well, especially because it was just a few months ago when we were talking about some of the mental health crises we were facing pre, pre-COVID and now in light of COVID and some of that involved too much screen time, social isolation, some of the things that are not necessarily going to be easy to curb. Even, you know, I've heard substance abuse, you know, domestic, you know, at least anecdotally, you know, I've heard it referenced on some of the briefings I was talking about earlier that, you know, we are seeing some, some sort of concerning trends there which is almost arguing for more evangelism and activation of the general population to lean into helping us get through these fundamental behavioral health problems that we were facing that, you know, the long tail is somewhat sobering to think about, but it is a time to activate, like elevate awareness, you know, take care of yourself first, but then also think about how you might be able to contribute to the mission that y'all are on here. I do want to make sure we get a few minutes to talk about my favorite civic, civically responsible children's book, Voting with a Porpoise. And it is 2020. So I, I'm curious, you know, any plans around voting with a porpoise? Any, anything new on the horizon? Anything that may happen to our uh, aquatic village of porpoises and others? Like, is there a sequel? I guess, you know, you could... Can we break news on the podcast today? Is Are you coming back with another version? What's going on with uh, Voting with a Porpoise? Yeah, we, lo- we love going back to Voting with a Porpoise. So, I mean, look, you know, we believe that the core messages in Voting with a Porpoise, that everybody has to show up to vote, that voting is how we solve the challenges of our society, that Mm -hmm. democracy really doesn't work unless everybody participates. Mm -hmm. Those messages are more true today than ever before. Yeah. And so having children read Voting with a Porpoise so they understand the importance of it at a young age and have a positive feeling about elections and voting as they get into voting age, we think it's the long game. Yes. Right? It's the long game. But it's an important part of curriculum. It's an yeah. important part of what, what we, I think children need to learn in this country. Mm-hmm. And so we're, it's plotting work, but we're going to continue to get out there. We actually had a, a great op-ed published in the Chicago Tribune a few weeks ago. And, and we have some more planned. Awesome. I'd love to have a sequel one day. It's <laughs> not currently in the works. But, you know, the message that I want and I hope everybody takes away continues to be we have to vote. We all have to vote. When we all vote, a lot of the problems that plague our democracy right now goes away because the powers of special interests go away. We truly get elected leaders that are the leaders that the majority of us want versus right. a loud minority that, that we see today. Right, right. So get out there. Yeah, for sure. And and thank you for uh, for leaving that open. I do feel like I'm, I'm interviewing a presidential candidate. I'm trying to get news on your VP pick. It's instead, when is the, when is the sequel to uh, Voting with a Porpoise coming out? 
Any closing thoughts? It's wonderful to get your time. Definitely appreciate the work that you and the team at Ginger are doing. And also, I appreciate that you're putting yourself out there. It's hard enough for, all, for everybody just to navigate the stuff day-to-day, week-to-week. You're able to do that, lead your organization, and, and come here and share your thoughts more broadly. Any, any concluding thoughts as we approach our wrap-up? I would say take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. Take breaks. Get exercise. Mm-hmm. Reduce your dependence on the news cycles and social media. Yeah. Talk to friends via Zoom. You know, I'm catching up with friends that I haven't in a long time mm-hmm. and, and try to get to sleep. And mm-hmm. all of those really, really important to maintaining mental health during this period. Outstanding stuff from Russell Glass, friend of the show, three-time appearance. Uh, congratulations. I'll send you the, you'll get the address. I'll send you the refrigerator magnet. Congratulations. And uh, for our listeners, thanks again for listening. I uh, definitely appreciate Russell's advice there. Uh, be safe. Take care of yourself. You know, it's like the the oxygen mask in the airplane, you know, you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others, uh, which which is really important. Again, Russell, thank you for joining. And we'll be back again soon on Trending in Education. Thanks so much.